This is Lawyer to Lawyer with J. Craig Williams and Robert Ambrogi, two of the top web bloggers in the legal profession. And yes, they are attorneys, one from California and one from Massachusetts, squaring off on legal news and legal observations. Lawyer to Lawyer is sponsored by Law.com, right here on the Legal Talk Network. Welcome to Lawyer to Lawyer on the Legal Talk Network. We're glad you could listen today. This is Bob Ambrogi from Massachusetts. I uh, write my own blogs, Law Sites and Media Law, and also contribute to the Legal Blog Watch on Law.com. My uh, usual co-host here today, uh, J. Craig Williams, uh, is off uh, from the program, off in the very unusual location of, of Czechoslovakia, where he is apparently at this very moment uh, attending a masked ball. So he will not be with us today. Uh, today we're going to talk about uh, the move uh, towards law firms going green. Going green, of course, uh, refers to uh, efforts to better the environment through various tasks, such as recycling and conserving energy. And, uh, of course, that's very much on people's minds as we get closer to Earth Day later this month. But uh, with global warming and environmental issues uh, plaguing the world, the legal community is beginning to do its part by taking charge and uh, getting involved in a number of tasks within their firms and, and within the profession uh, to help go green. So today on Lawyer to Lawyer, we're going to talk about green firms and in efforts to uh, promote uh, uh, environmental awareness within the legal profession uh, with a couple of guests who are very much involved in this. Uh, joining us first today is Attorney Carolyn S. Kaplan. Carolyn has the uh, uh, distinct uh, honor of being, I think, the, f- the first person to be named Chief Sustainability Officer at a major uh, law firm. She's a counsel at Nixon Peabody uh, in Boston, and she, uh, in her practice, concentrates on federal, state, and local land use and environmental matters. Uh, as Chief Sustainability Officer for Nixon Peabody, she uh, is tasked with identifying opportunities to better service uh, and uh, work with clients and others on joint sustainability initiatives. And she works closely with the firm's operations director to reduce the firm's carbon footprint and green its supply chain. She also co-chairs the renewable energy team in the firm's energy and environmental practice group, which is composed of attorneys experienced in the development, construction, financing, and operation of renewable energy facilities. She's assisted clients on a variety of renewable energy projects, including the siting of land based on uh, land-based and offshore wind energy facilities. Uh, welcome to the show, Carolyn Kaplan. Thanks very much. It's good to be here. In uh, joining us next is attorney Daniel Eisenberg. Uh, Dan uh, is an associate with the Washington, D.C. Office of Beverage and Diamond, where he is a member of that firm's green team that is responsible for uh, the firm's environmental sustainability efforts. Uh, He is also uh, public service vice chair for the American Bar Association section on Environment, Energy and Resources uh, Air Quality Committee. Uh, he uh, worked together with uh, uh, lawyers Howard Hoffman and David Freeland in developing and implementing the American Bar Association uh, Environmental Protection Agency Law Office Climate Challenge, a program designed to encourage law firms to become better environmental and energy stewards. Welcome to the program, Daniel Eisenberg. Thank you for having me on. Uh, well, well, let's start with kind of the big 
picture here, which is uh, what does it matter if, if law firms go green, Carolyn? Sure, happy to, to chat about that. I think that law firms have historically um, had an important role in society to take a, a leadership role in um, important issues, um, diversity and pro bono or other areas in which I think law firms um, have chosen to really move forward um, as society is moving forward and, and recognizing the importance of issues like pro bono. Um, and I think that environmental issues are similar and that they are important both for um, the the, the law firm, for our clients, and for the community at large in which we practice. So um, I believe it just it's important to take a leadership role. We have um, a, a, the ability to influence a lot of people um, as lawyers, and um, I think that it would be a travesty to not take advantage of that opportunity. Dan, uh, what's your take on that? Well, I, I first agree with everything that was just said. Um, I think you know lawyers do consider themselves trendsetters, and they have been historically, and I think that climate change, you know, is, is coming across as that next big issue, and lawyers are uniquely situated um, with their clients and with the public. I mean, the ABA is a, it's really an enormous organization with enormous reach, and um, I think when, when law firms and lawyers uh, do something, it gets attention and it gets people thinking. What What do we mean, really, uh, when we start talking about law firms going green? I mean, is this simply a matter of upping their recycling efforts, or, or, or what are we talking about here? And Carolyn, I'll ask you that question, since you're uh, clearly actively involved in that. Sure. Um, I don't think that it's just about recycling. I think that that certainly is an aspect. Um, what we have done here at Nixon Peabody is to think about it, uh, our role with, with green issues in, in three ways. Um, one is to look internally and to say, what are we doing with our internal operations? Are there changes that we can make? What kind of goals can we set um, and, and try to achieve to increase the sustainability of our operations? The second relates to areas in which we practice and really paying attention to what's happening on a global environment, what areas are, are um, gaining increasing importance, um, inc including things like climate change, um, as, as Dan just mentioned, uh, renewable energy, the importance of green building and systems sustainable development, um, green investing, all these, these issues are things that are important to, um, to the world globally, and we are trying to demonstrate to our clients that we have the capability to assist them um, in addressing the new and, and growing concerns um, that are relevant to those practice areas. And then finally, I think it's important as I mentioned before, in, in sort of this, this concept of taking a leadership role, is to get out there and share information and share ideas. And so we really encourage the attorneys at our firm to participate actively in um, environmental organizations, in uh, nonprofits, in um, speaking, you know, to take advantage of speaking opportunities where we can share um, what we've learned about various green practice areas as well as share what we're doing internally in terms of sustainability initiatives. And I said in introducing you that uh, at least, at least at a major law firm that I know of, you're, you are you are the first to be named a chief sustainability officer. And I think that was in in November that that uh, that that happened. That's right. We have not heard of anyone else who who has this position. Um, although a lot of our clients are, you know, have named CSO positions. Um, but I believe, believe I believe I'm the first. And so what does that mean? What what are your responsibilities? Well, um, in the 
first instance, what I do is to work very closely with our Green Operations Steering Committee. And that committee is one that we put together um, shortly after I, I took the position as CSO. Um, I work closely with our Chief Administrative Officer, who's based out of our Rochester office. Um, I work with our um, four of our office administrators from various offices throughout the country, and the Director of our local IT uh, department, as well as our Director of Purchasing. And that group is involved with um, setting priorities. Um, we've set seven priority areas um, in terms of sustainability goals, and those include education and outreach, uh, purchasing, paper reduction, which is obviously a big thing for law firms, waste reduction and recycling, construction, travel and commuting, and energy conservation. And so we've set those out as goals, and then we've also created um, or identified specific tasks within each of these priority areas um, that we are, um, you know, we first consider um, and then decide whether they are things that we can implement on a firm-wide basis, um, in which case we mandate them um, across the firm. So I work closely with the steering committee, and we also have a, um, a series of local sustainability committees, each of our our 16 offices in the U.S. have a local sustainability committee, and they meet, on, they meet on a monthly basis, and they are the ones who basically, you know, provide ideas. Um, they, they sort of send up ideas from, from the local level and suggestions for, for us at the Green Ops Steering Committee level to consider. And they're also our local eyes and ears, and so they can assist us in ensuring that once we um, set a goal and we, um, we commit to something, that we're actually following through on that on that, on that Dan Eisenberg, you've been involved in, uh, I guess, helping to uh, put together this ABA EPA Law Office Climate Challenge. Uh, explain to our listeners what that's about. Sure. Um, we have been working, I guess now we're in our second year on the challenge. It was introduced uh, not this past March, the March before um, at an ABA environmental conference. And the idea behind it was that there are there are really um, a number of good programs, voluntary programs that the Environmental Protection Agency has made available to businesses um, that we thought that law firms should be getting involved in. So we decided that we were going to challenge uh, law firms to sign up for one, two, or three of, of these programs. We had to do a little tinkering because some of them uh, didn't mesh entirely with, with the way law firms are run. But what we've done is tried to give um, each firm an option uh, for participation so that no firm could say, None of, these, none of these programs work for us for whatever reason. So we think that we've designed a, a, pro, uh, a program where a firm could at least find one, one way of participating. So we have, we have a recycling program uh, that's called WasteWise, which is um, firms to develop a, a waste management program in their office so that they, they cut down on their, on their paper use. They purchase recycled content paper, um, and they recycle paper. Uh, we have an energy efficiency program, which is the uh, Energy Star Partnership, um, which is a program through EPA where, where firms will basically pledge to develop a plan to cut their electricity usage by 10%, um, both through the purchase of, of more environmentally energy-efficient uh, products like computers and printers, but also by changing office practices, by making sure that the lights are turned off at the end of the day, the computers go into sleep mode, um, things like that. And the, the third program is the Green Power Partnership, which is a way for firms to uh, invest in green, energy, green renewable energy. Um, understandably, a lot of firms do not control um, who they purchase their, their power from, but we are offering a way that firms, even firms who don't control uh, their utility purchases, to, uh, to buy renewable energy certificates. 
so that they can uh, contribute to wind, solar, uh, hydropower, energy. And the response has been been very good. And, and I would say that, that uh, the, one of the best things about getting involved in this program is that I get to talk literally daily with multiple law firms uh, calling me, you know, with questions about signing up for the challenge, but also calling with ideas for, for other, other ways that firms could uh, improve their sustainability. Well, I, I saw somewhere I saw an interesting uh, fact uh, recently regarding the, the Boston law firm Ropes and Gray that uh, just uh, it, in one uh, aspect of, I guess, its green initiative, it, it stopped using water bottles, at, uh, plastic water bottles at meetings and replaced them with, with uh, pitchers and glasses. And in the first month alone, uh, uh, conserved 4,000 bottles. Is, is this, when we're talking about these green initiatives, are we talking primarily about larger firms or does this apply to firms of any size? Right. Uh, we have firms, you know, as small as a couple of attorneys signing up, and we have firms with, you know, hundreds of attorneys signing up. Um, I really do think that there's there's something in there for everyone. In some ways, the smaller the firm, the easier it is to make decisions because, to be honest, larger firms, you know, have larger bureaucracies, um, and it's not always easy to, to push through big initiatives. That's not to say that we haven't had plenty of, of large firms sign up as well. But when you have, you know, a, a firm with five attorneys, they can just get together really easily and say, you know what, we're going to start buying recycled paper, um, or we're going to make sure we have recycled, recycling bins in each of our offices, or, or just like you mentioned, you know, no more um, water bottles, no more paper cups, no more plastic cups. Several bar associations have actually, in, a, um, in addition to the ABA challenge, have developed guidelines um, that they're proposing for both the use of large law firms as well as, as small law firms. The Massachusetts Bar Association has their own green guidelines, and the state of Oregon does as well. Um, and I'm also currently participating on a task force in California that is geared towards um, developing guidelines for law firms in California. And I think, um, you know, it's, it's true that both law, large law firms and Small firms both have um, the, the ability to um, implement various types of initiatives. Some that apply to a small firm may not apply to a large firm, and, and vice versa. And I agree that it sometimes it can be more difficult because of the bureaucracy um, for a large firm. Um, but I think that we're a good example of that um, breaking through that kind of uh, bureaucracy and implementing um, these kinds of um, sustainable practices on a firm-wide basis. But I think what has to happen is that each, you know, each law firm needs to take a look at these types of guidelines and determine what is feasible in their own practice, in their own offices, and um, create something that works for them. I, I completely agree. And I would just add that uh, one thing that I recommend to everyone I speak to, and it's something my firm has done, is to have some sort of green committee, green team, um, where you get, you get attorneys, but also staff, paralegals, legal assistants, who know a lot about the practical workings of a firm that a lot of attorneys aren't, aren't always as in touch with, you get them all together and you get them thinking about ways that they can uh, make energy savings, for instance, in the firm. And, and then all the ideas get filtered through this green team and then out into the firm. And I think it's a very effective way, especially with larger, larger law firms, to get started. I agree, Jan, and I think that you really need to have management buy-in as well. Um, it's important for a program like this to succeed that from the top down that management is saying this is something that's important to us, we're committed, um, we're going to, you know, make uh, adjustments to our budget to ensure that this is a successful program, and also really to encourage both, um, you know, all, all personnel, attorneys and staff, um, and our, on our local teams, we involve folks from different service areas like the library, like our IT department, um, food services, and so forth, because they really are the, the hands-on people and, and can answer questions um, much quicker. 
Is this entirely uh, altruistic on the part of these firms, or is there is there a business case or a marketing case for this uh, as well for law firms to do this? I think there's really both. Um, you know, I think you know this is something that's good for the environment. Um, it's good for employee morale. It's good for recruiting, and it's good for business. So, I, you know, I don't think that you can ignore any of those four aspects. Um, you know, we law firms are businesses, of course, and they are um, trying to, um, you know, uh, expand their business in these areas, and it certainly can't hurt. Um, we're seeing requests for proposals, for example, from our clients that are asking questions about our sustainable practices. So I think that it is relevant to all areas. I, I again agree that was that's true for us at, at Beverage and Diamond. Um, I, uh, we've seen similar, you know, request for proposal. Well, what kind of recycling practices do you have, and, and other things like that. And you know, we talked earlier about about law firms setting the bar for the larger community. And I think in some ways, clients are setting the bar for law firms because clients are starting to ask, "What are you doing in your firm to make you know to make your office more sustainable?" Because a lot of big corporations are are on the bandwagon now and are getting geared up. Um, and, and from a recruiting standpoint, I can speak from personal experience that, that I've been on on-campus interviews and had law students ask me w- what my firm is doing. I've had law students who have been to the Climate Challenge website and are interested in the program. I've had law students call to see if their, if their law schools can sign up for the program as a, as a law office. So I, I think it's great on the recruiting side as well. Carolyn mentioned the, uh, the the Mass Bar Initiative. I, I'm a member of the Mass Bar, and I, I've, I've looked at I've looked at uh, what I think what they're calling it their Eco Challenge. I, I've looked at that before, and one of the, one of the points uh, they make, and, and the ABA may make this as well, is, is that law firms uh, should be working with their or trying to work with their landlords to uh, encourage uh, environmental initiatives. Uh, uh, you know, I guess within their buildings, within the, within the premises where they're located, um, is that is that part of the ABA's initiative as well, Dan? Um, it's not, it's not explicit. I mean, it is explicit, I should say, in the Energy Star portion of the program. We recognized early on that the that that because law firms are often tenants in in large buildings, that this was going to be an issue. That there are certain decisions, say, you know, the type of glass that you use in your windows that are not up to the law firms. So what we tried to do is encourage law firms to approach their buildings um, and say, you know, here are the changes we'd like to make in our office that we can make to reduce our electricity bill, which is good for everyone, is good for all tenants, um, what can you do for us to, to help, you know, make broader changes in the building, um, to, to make the building it's, it's, as, a, as a larger entity more energy efficient, and, and encourage um, buildings to participate as Energy Star partners, which they, which they can do. I mean, that's actually how the program was initially designed, that a building would sign up as a whole, not an individual um, company within a building. So we think that's definitely uh, an important part of the challenge, and um, and and we've actually seen some some great success in that regard. Our our um, Baltimore office uh, actually was responsible for initiating a recycling program at, for the building as a whole because the building had lost their recycling vendor, and our office pushed them to go find another one. And they've actually now expanded so that it's a 20, 27 floor office, and they're going to be recycling. Um, throughout. So I think this would be one of the big things we would push firms to do is once you've, you've signed up and once you're getting involved, talk to your office about what they can do. I think there's a business incentive as well for landlords. You know, we're in the process of um, obtaining uh, certification, lead certification for our second office um, as we go through the construction and renovation process of a, of a new build-out. And um, I think that as law firms 
look to either expand the areas in which they are, um, you know, the, the, the areas that they lease in a particular building, or they look to, le- to lease new space, um, they're going out to the community, and landlords are going to need to compete. They need to be competitive. Um, and so making sure that the buildings that um, they are um, leasing have sustainable, um, provide for the ability to um, apply for lead certification, I think is something that's going to be important to tenants, because some, some buildings are are more conducive to um, allowing a tenant to make changes that would enable them to obtain lead certification. Well, stay with us. We're going to take a short break, and in a few moments, we'll be back to hear more about green law firms. Lawyer to Lawyer is produced by the Legal Talk Network and a staff of broadcast professionals. If you have an idea for a topic or a show, we want to hear from you. Go to LegalTalkNetwork.com and send us an email. Check out our Lawyer to Lawyer host blogs, J. Craig Williams' blog at mayhavepleasethecourt.com, likewise Robert Ambrogi's blog at LegalLine.com for daily legal observations, perspective, and, of course, a healthy dose of humor and wit. If you have a comment or question, we want to hear from you. Leave us a message on the Legal Talk Network listener line at 781-634-8959. We really do listen to the messages and even answer your questions on our next show. A video settlement documentary can be the most powerful and persuasive way to bring about a speedy settlement in your client's case. The Boston Media Group has a staff of television professionals with 20 years experience writing and producing compelling stories just like the ones you've seen on 60 Minutes or Dateline. We put a human face on the lawsuit with compelling interviews, dramatizations, and visual presentations of the fact. Think of it as a video opening argument that will compel the attorneys on the other side to settle. Call us for a consult at 800-317-5221. That's 800-317-5221. Or check out our website at bostonmediagroup.com. Welcome back to Lawyer to Lawyer on the Legal Talk Network. This is Bob Ambrogi. My usual co-host, Jay Craig Williams, uh, is, is off traveling in Czechoslovakia this week. Uh, we're talking about green law firms with Carolyn S. Kaplan, the chief sustainability officer at Nixon Peabody, and Dan Eisenberg, public service vice chair for the ABA section on environmental energy and resources, uh, air quality committee, and a associated beverage and diamond and uh, Carolyn, just before the break, you were you were talking about lead certification, uh, and uh, I wonder if you could just explain to our listeners what that means. Sure. Um, lead is uh, leadership in energy and environmental design, and it's essentially um, a program created by the U.S. Green Business Council that enables um, a building to be certified or, or portions of a building to be certified um, as having, um, I guess, advanced um, facilities in terms of their impact on the energy on energy and in the environment. And um, it's a certification process, and so you need to actually apply 
um, for LEED certification. Um, and so, for example, we in our San Francisco office are the first law firm um, to obtain LEED certification in the category of commercial interiors, which is essentially a new build-out. And so as part of that process, you know, our um, operations um, folks and our facilities managers uh, sat down and said, you know, this is something that we think is important. We want to apply for this certification and worked very closely with our architect and engineers in order to make that happen. Dan, I just want to come back to the question of the uh, uh, climate challenge. I'm sorry, I want to say environmental challenge. Uh, the ABA EPA law office challenge. What's the challenge part of this? I mean, how does a law firm get involved in this, and, and what does it mean for them to get involved in this? I mean, the challenge is, is, is we would like to see, you know, literally hundreds of firms uh, signing up for these EPA programs. When, when we first got started, I, I was on the uh, EPA website a, a bunch because we were, you know, working on coming up with a program, and I was looking at who was participating in these different in these different programs, and there were a couple of law firms in there, but largely it was, you know, it was uh, – uh, other other types of businesses. There were there were churches involved, synagogues involved, schools involved, and there were some law firms. But but I just we just didn't think there were enough. And so what we wanted to do was make sure that law firms knew about these again pre-existing programs and and that they use them not as the end all in their pledge towards uh, sustainability, but as a kind of jumping off point. That this would this would be the the first thing your firm would do. You would say I'm going to sign up. And I'm going to buy some renewable wind energy, or we're going to when, when our computers um, when, when our computers get to the end of their 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 life, we're going to replace them with Energy Star computers, and then from there, that would get them thinking about different ways that they could they could take off and adopt uh, more sustainable practices. And I think that's part of what's happened. Um, you know, for firms have have uh, who have gotten involved in the paper recycling program are now looking at ways to encourage. Um, carpooling to work or encouraging the use of, of uh, public transportation to get to work um, so that they're not they're not stopping with the climate challenge they recognize that this is just one aspect of, of making your firm sustainable and I I think Dan that, that the program really has had that that sort of success um, we certainly you know were aware of the climate challenge program before um, the firm moved forward with our legally green initiative and appointed me as, as CSO um, and so I think that it, it is having this, that exact effect um, where, you know, people are saying, law firms are saying, you know, this is how we can start. This is a good jumping off point, And what else can we do? What about the costs here? Is it expensive for a, a law firm to go green? Does it have to spend more money in order to buy recycled paper? Does it have to spend more money in order to uh, make changes to its, uh, its physical plant or, or whatever else? What are the costs associated with this? It's a combination of, of that there are increased costs, but there are also are opportunities for savings and to try to find the balance between the two. Um, for example, we found that purchasing paper with recycled content, um, the greater the recycled content, the more expensive it is. For example, 100% recycled content paper is uh, significantly more expensive than 30% recycled content paper. And what we're hoping um, will happen is that as we implement a new policy regarding double-sided um, printing, that we will save a lot of money on our purchase of paper because we're using less paper, and that perhaps that savings can help to offset the increased cost in um, purchasing higher recycled content paper. I, I would again second what was just said. Um, I think that the common, while recycled paper is a little bit more expensive, I think the costs are coming down as more people switch to it, first of all. And secondly, that, that when you combine that with a with a double-sided copying printing uh, program, it, you know you end up with using less paper, 
and it gets people thinking about the paper they do use. I've had attorneys come to me and say, you know, once this program got started, I, I, I stopped printing every email that I got, or, you know, I, I realized that maybe I could look at this, at this brief online instead of printing the whole thing out. Um, we've had staff uh, who have taken uh, extra billing pages, because the billing pages don't print double-sided, and turned them into notepads that they've then distributed so that we're getting an extra use out of some paper that would normally um, get thrown out. So I, I think that, that the paper program is a perfect example of something where there might be an upfront cost, but in the long term, you can actually make it uh, very cost effective. And it's the same with, with energy um, efficiency. You know, yes, buying an ENERGY STAR computer um, will cost money upfront, but if in the long term you're using less electricity, then, it, then it's a cost saver. Certainly with lighting, the, all, the, all the new light bulbs that are available in uh, energy efficient ways um, are going to be a, a long term cost saver. Right. And we're finding with our lead certification projects um, that the build-outs, you know, depending on um, the particular circumstances, it might cost, you know, anywhere between, I don't know, 2 to 5% more um, to apply for lead certification. Um, we're finding that, you know, some of the, the items, things like paints and carpets, um, you know, that, that are not emitting VOCs or using um, lighting that, that Dan was just talking about aren't really significantly different than they would be if we were not going for lead certification. Just let me ask you quick. I know that uh, Dan, your firm has has this green team, and of course, Carolyn, you have a chief sustainability officer. Is it uh, important for a firm that's going starting down this road to to uh, have somebody there to kind of coordinate it, whether whether as a team or or as an official position? I think so. I think that it's been very helpful here to have um, someone as a champion to sort of move the process forward. Um, we certainly had been taking steps. Um, at, you know, various, I guess I would refer to them more as localized steps in the various offices, um, even over the last couple of years, but there wasn't any program that looked at it from a firm-wide basis. And so I think to really move it forward um, in a, in a large-scale uh, level, you, need, you do need to have somebody who's really paying attention to the, the larger issues. Does a green team work well for your firm? Uh, it's, been, it's been great. I actually just got out of a green team meeting this morning uh, about an hour ago. Um, and, and, you know, uh, it's a way to get all the – if you have a firm with multiple offices, you get representatives from each of those offices because San Francisco has different issues than New York, than, than Washington, D.C. Um, so I think it's useful in that sense. And I, like I said earlier, I think it's useful in terms of uh, getting to hear everyone uh, – getting to hear ideas from people at all different uh, types of employment within the firm who have very different perspectives, um, something that might seem practical – to a partner might not be practical for a paralegal and vice versa. Um, and I, I do think I agree that it's good to have some organization at the top to, uh, to push these things forward because, you know, the tendency over time, if you, if you don't have any organized system for it, things just get lost in the shuffle, especially when everybody's trying to, you know, build their time and, and get work done at, at the same time. Well, we are about at the end of our time. And before we wrap up, I, I'd like to give each of you an opportunity to share any final thoughts on this topic and also to tell our listeners where they can find out more about uh, about you and, and your work in this area. Uh, so, Carolyn, let me start with you. Sure. Um, I think that, you know, I'd be happy to speak with anyone who's interested in moving forward with a similar type of program in their law firm. Um, I, while I'm the first CSO, I hope not to be the last CSO. I think that it's an important position um, for law firms to have. And um, if anyone's interested in reaching me, uh, you can check out our website. We have a special web page dedicated to this program, and it's um, com slash legallygreen. 
And Dan Eisenberg, your final thoughts and uh, more information. Sure. Um, well, I would, I would encourage um, everyone to visit the ABA EPA Law Office Climate Challenge website. It's a little bit long of a link, but I'll give it to you here. It's www.abanet.org backslash environ, that's E-N-V-I-R-O-N, backslash climate challenge, one word. And um, that has my contact info on the website. It also has all the resources you need to sign up, the enrollment forms. We we run you step-by-step through each of the programs. And as a takeaway message, I would just say that if if you're listening and you think that that your firm does not cannot practically sign up for one of these programs, I would encourage you to visit the website because there is a way for every firm, any size, wherever you are in the country, to, to participate in some way. Um, and if you want ideas, practical ideas for, for ways to get involved, you can visit my, my firm's website, which is uh, bdlaw.com, and we have a sustainability page that, that runs through some of the things our firm has done, both within the scope of the climate challenge and outside of the scope of the climate challenge. Thank you. And since we mentioned the Mass Bar Association, I will I will just uh, mention that uh, listeners can find information about their eco-challenge at massbar.org. Well, that about does it for Lawyer to Lawyer for today. Uh, remember that you can check out all of our Lawyer to Lawyer programs at LegalTalkNetwork.com and that you can download all of our programs as well from the uh, podcast library on iTunes. Thank you very much to our guests. We really appreciate your time, and I look forward to uh, coming back next week. Thanks for listening to Lawyer to Lawyer with J. Craig Williams and Robert Ambrogi. We hope you'll listen again and check out our other shows on the Legal Talk Network. Lawyer to Lawyer has been sponsored by Law.com. The Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast, your resource for the tips and tactical advice you need to grow your business. Plus, keep up with the news and commentary you crave to stay one step ahead. It's hosted by me, Guy Sakalakis. And me, Conrad Song. Every other week, we break down the issues holding back your marketing strategy and talk about the changes you need to be prepared for. Check out the Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube.